Greetings, uh, UECP family. Today, the message is uh, about forgiveness. It's about sin and forgiveness. Now, the title is, We Are Forgiven. We Are Forgiven. Today, as a country, we are in the midst of COVID um, again. You know, the, the surge is real. You know, it's um, 8,000 a day. 6,000, you know, and it's really hitting us hard. And I think as a country, we need to repent of our sins. We need to ask God to forgive our government. And we need to ask God to forgive us, uh, our sins, our selfishness, our pride, our greed, our non-action, our complacency towards COVID-19. And one thing I've noticed with us, uh, with a lot of us Christians today is we like to point out the problems. But when it's time for us to do some actions or to help or to make a change, we don't do anything. You see, nobody wants to sacrifice. Nobody wants to serve because we only want to serve it is, if it is out of our convenience. And that's the scenario of the world today. Nobody wants to sacrifice. Everyone thinks for himself. And I think the key word also in Leviticus is about sacrifice. About sacrifice. You see, there was a problem, okay? And the problem we have in Leviticus 16, okay, the book of Leviticus 16, was sin. Sin was the problem, and there had to be a sacrifice. And God sacrificed His one and only Son, Jesus. You see, the problem was Israel, in their sin and selfishness, could not be reconciled to God. That was the problem that was um, being answered here in the book of Leviticus. And God graciously provides a way for people to live in his presence and this is what the book of leviticus is all about it is about god making a way for sinners to be able to live in god's presence without the forgiveness of sins we would die in the presence of god so you see god is holy meaning he is the creator and the author of life and he is set apart God is holy, and the space around him too is holy. But Israel, you know, is unjust and sinful. So if Israel wants to live in God's holy presence, then its sin must be dealt with. Thus comes in our topic for today, where we are going to look at the Day of Atonement. Well, we're going to look at what the Day of Atonement means. So what is the meaning of the Day of Atonement. Or what is the meaning of atonement, the word atonement? It means covering, not to cover. You see, God covers the sin or sins so that the Israelites can be in His presence. God covers their sins so that they can be in His presence. In Old Testament, sacrifices was a culture thing. Now, that was how they did things, okay? The people sacrificed uh, to earn favors from their gods, but they never knew 
what was good and what was bad because there were no specific rules or guidelines to follow. But for us, we have a God who makes things clear. So in Leviticus, God makes it clear, you want to be safe in my presence, then these are the rules. So here comes Leviticus. Okay? So what is the Day of Atonement about? What is the Day of Atonement about? Actually, it's a Jewish ritual instituted by God to allow Israelites to be able to live in the presence of God. And today, the Jews celebrate this solemn holy day once a year and they call it Yom Kippur. Okay? Yom Kippur. It's a day of fasting, praying, and Sabbath where they literally don't do any work for one whole day. Okay? So they have their own Jewish calendar. And for today, uh, for this year, I think it's in uh, September 15. No? If you have any Jewish friends, they would be uh, celebrating Yom Kippur on September 15. So the Day of Atonement is done once a year in Leviticus. Now let's look at uh, Leviticus 16. If you have your Bibles, okay? If not, you just follow me as, we, as I read the passage today. Leviticus chapter 16, okay? It says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. Okay, so the two sons of Aaron died. That was discussed last week. Okay, and the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time in the holy place inside the veil. Before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So you see, it's all about sacrifices. He shall put on the holy linen cloth. You know, so Aaron had to change his clothing you know, and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats, one for a sin offering, which we uh, uh, later will discuss, and one ram for a burnt offering. So first thing we're going to look at is uh, Aaron, the high priest, and Jesus, who is the great high priest. You see, in chapter 16, verse uh, 1 to 5, it's really about Aaron, the high priest. Okay? On this day, it is only the high priest who is to do the work. Okay? God makes it clear. It's only Aaron. Okay? Only him and no one else. And actually, this points us also to Jesus when He died on the cross for our sins. It was only Jesus who could die for our sins and no one else. It shows us that we, ourselves, we cannot do anything to earn our forgiveness from God. We can only be saved by grace 
through faith and not by our own efforts or works. You see, by grace alone, by faith alone, it means that God loves, God forgives, and God saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. So can you imagine kanina from uh, verse 1 to 5 as I was reading it, if the high priest you know, was going to do the sacrifice, what if he slipped? Diba? Instead of sacrificing the, you know, the goat, he slipped and he you know, fell on the ground. Then we're all dead. No, no more. No, all the Israelites would be killed. You see, according to scholars, the high priest on that day of atonement, he had to do an average of 15 sacrifices on his own. One five. Now he had to do all those sacrifices on his own on that day. Not only that, but you see, God is very specific. He wants the high priest to have a change of clothes. No? You see, the high priest, when he does his thing, he's usually um, wearing his magandang crown, magandang damit. You know? and, but here, God wants him to change clothes. Okay? And it's a sign of humility. It's a sign of being pure in the presence of God. So in the Old Testament, it's about Aaron the high priest. But in the New Testament, it points to Jesus who is the great high priest. And I just like to show you this slide that gives you some comparisons okay, of Aaron the high priest and Jesus the great high priest. It says Aaron, Aaron himself, he's a sinner. And he himself, he needs atonement. Okay? Before he can go in, he needs to sacrifice you know, uh, you know, an animal, so that his sins could be covered. But Jesus, he himself was pure and sinless. So he had no need of atonement. Aaron had to repeat the sacrifice every year. But Jesus, you know, his eternal redemption was secured by one sacrifice, his life. Aaron's rituals gained entrance to earthly sanctuary, which was into that tabernacle. But Jesus, his death gained entrance into the true, true tabernacle, which is heaven. Aaron, uh, there was repetition of sacrifices, a uh, constant reminder of need to atone for sin. While Jesus Christ, once for all sacrifice, secured permanent forgiveness. And lastly, uh, that's all, that's all. You see, Aaron, the high priest, he had to follow the right procedure that God gave to him. The Day of Atonement was not a time for innovation because too much was at stake. Aaron, actually, the priest, comes from a great line. He has the title, right? he has the title, the priest, the high priest. But despite that, he had to make a blood sacrifice to enter the presence of God. And sometimes we forget. We're all sinners. No matter what title you have, 
you're still a sinner. So it's easy when you have titles to think that you're safe. But Aaron is a reminder that we are not holy, that he needs atonement too, and yet God still wants to use him. I just want to tell um, us today that, you see, God uses people despite our mistakes or despite our sins. No matter how bad you feel, the grace of Jesus is still greater. just want to encourage our, you know, who are, those who are uh, worshiping with us today, no matter how you feel, no, no matter how bad you feel, the grace of Jesus is still greater. No, no matter how bad you are or how bad you think you are, the grace of God is still greater. Some of us might be thinking, no, I'm a failure. I have messed up my life and God cannot use me. I just want to tell you you're wrong. Okay, God can. God can use anybody as long as you're willing. As long as you're willing to ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins, God will be willing to use you. And I'd, I'd like to uh, give you some examples. Let's look at some uh, Bible characters that God used despite the fact that they messed up in life. Quickly, um, number one, David. You know, he was an adulterer. Okay, um, he even uh, murdered, and yet God used him. Abraham, do you know he offered his wife to another man? God used him. Moses committed murder. Paul, he threw Christians in jail. Uh huh. Yes. James and John, they had anger management. Do you know Christians who have anger management? But God still used them. And of course, uh, Solomon. Solomon was a womanizer. Can you imagine if Solomon lived in our time? Diba? Pag may Facebook siya, can you imagine yung relationship? What would he answer there? It's complicated. Or he would say, too, uh, too many to mention. Diba? Kasi ang dami niyang asawa. Ang dami niyang concubines. So what is the point? My point is, if you have been redeemed, if you have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, then God wants to use you for His kingdom. God wants to use you. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you are, no matter what sin you have done, if you repent and accept Jesus into your life, God can use you. God can. Now, that's Aaron, the high priest. Okay? So, let's move on uh, to the next one, the, next, uh, the second thing that I'd like to talk about. But for that, I'd like to read to you from verse uh, 6 to 10, okay, 6 to 10 of Leviticus 16. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement uh, for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for scapegoat. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for 
scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to scapegoat, to be the scapegoat. See, so the second thing we're gonna um, look at is the two goats, okay, and Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, this is the second thing that we're gonna look at here in Leviticus 16. It's about the two goats, no, which is kind of the central thing in the Day of Atonement, okay. And of course, as we point to the New Testament, it's Jesus, the Lamb of God. So in verse 15, as we read uh, verse 15, it says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Then we jump to verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat. Can you imagine, di ba? You lay your hands on a live goat. Nagwawala na yan, di ba? And confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel. So Aaron the high priest, can you imagine? He has a goat. It's alive. He has to put his hands on it. Okay, and confess all the sins. Mahabang prayer yan. <laughs> Mahabang, kung Philippines yan, no? Kulang pa yung one day. No? Lahat ng sins natin. No? We will lay upon that life goat. And all their transgressions, all their sins, he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in Readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. You see, the first goat, okay, the first goat is the slain goat. It's the slain goat, okay, that is sacrificed, and it's the purification offering. It is to atone for the sins of Israel. It is receiving God's punishment for Israel, for Israel's sins, so that the people won't have to. You see, it is to cover for the sins of the people. The goat's life is actually offered as a substitute. Okay? It is receiving God's punishment or God's wrath okay? so that the people won't have to. So the goat receives God's wrath so that the people will not have to receive the wrath of God. The second goat is called the scapegoat. It is a symbol of God's removal of sin from Israel. So you see, ayan na, ito yun. Let's just retell it again. The priest puts its hands on it, okay? And he confesses all of Israel's sin. Okay? He must lay upon his head all the sins of the people. He must confess on the behalf of the secret sins of Is the Israelites. And after this, okay, the goat will be led into the wilderness. According to scholars, 
the goat, uh, the person leading the goat, he has to lead it around 10 miles, okay, away. Para sure hindi bumalik no yung goat. Okay? So this image, okay, this image is uh for the peop- is for the people so that they can remember that all their sins have been removed and taken away. And as David understood this, he said, as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been forgiven. You see, Leviticus 16 reminds us today that we are not distinct. We are not holy. We are sinners. But it also makes a point that we have all done wrong in our life. And the beautiful thing about God is God doesn't write us off just because of our mistakes. Okay, so, again, if you have done mistakes, you have sinned, God can forgive you because He doesn't write you off. God will give you chance upon chance. So this is actually the Bible for us. God loves us and He realizes that we are not holy. So what does He do? He makes provisions so that we can be holy. And that is through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So in the Old Testament, the sins are forgiven by God through the Day of Atonement. The sins of the people were covered by the blood of the slain goat and it has to be done every year because the blood of the goat is not enough and only Jesus, the Lamb of God, is enough. So it doesn't matter if you're an elder of the church, you're a businessman, you're an employee, a single mom, a student, a pastor. All of us are on the same boat. We are sinners and we need a Savior who will forgive our sins. The Day of Atonement is actually pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. That Jesus' blood and sacrifice on the cross was the only way that our sins would be permanently forgiven. So let's summarize, okay? Let's summarize uh, what we learned, okay? First is the slain goat. It represents Jesus Christ dying in our place as our substitute for the sins of man. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and for the whole world. So what is a propitiation? No, it's, a, it's kind of a um, difficult word or some, it's a new word for us. So propitiation, okay, it addresses God's wrath. Okay. It is the work of Jesus Christ saving us from that wrath by absorbing it in his own person as our substitute. So in short, Christ absorbed God's wrath and saved us from it. Okay? Christ absorbed the wrath of God when he died on the cross for us. Second is the scapegoat. It is Christ bearing our sins away. And that is called expiation. Okay? And what is expiation? What is expiation? Expiation means removal. It speaks of Jesus Christ's work in removing or putting away our sin. So, the object of propitiation is God's wrath. 
and the object of expiation is our sin. You see, the work of Christ is finished and nothing more remains to be done. God's wrath has been propitiated and our sins have been removed. I'd like to give this um, simple illustration about atonement. No? There was once a young boy who was consistently late coming home from school. Okay, so the parents warned him, no, ni warningan siya, if you come home tomorrow late, then you will be punished. So guess what? The next day, he still came home late. His mom met him at the door and said nothing. Uh, he, she said nothing. So this is called what? The silent treatment. <laughs> so at dinner that night, the boy looked at his plate. The plate of the boy was one slice of bread and a glass of water. And he looked at his father's plate. It was full. Chicken, spaghetti, garlic bread, and iced tea. And the father also what? Remained silent. So yung boy, no? sama lang loob. No? He was, sama lang loob niya. Tinapay lang. One piece of bread. Si daddy. No? Kompleto. So after the father, seeing that the boy was crushed, was sad, he waited for a few more minutes. Then the father exchanged the plates. He put his plate that was a full meal in front of the son and he took the son's plate and put it on his own. And he looked at his son and smiled. You see, when the boy grew up to be a man, he said, all my life, I've known what God is like by what my father did that night. My father showed me love and forgiveness in that simple act of atonement. And that was what love is all about. You see, the prophet Isaiah refers to Jesus Christ's work on the cross in his prophecy of the suffering of the Messiah when he writes, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, the laying both of his hands on the head of the scapegoat was a substitutionary atonement fulfilled by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. The third thing that we're going to look at is Jesus and the cross. Jesus and the cross. You see, why did Jesus have to suffer so badly on the cross? Now, why did he have to suffer so badly at the cross? Because it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Let's look at Leviticus 17, verse 11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement 
by the life. And in Hebrews 9.22, it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. My friends, Jesus had to suffer because suffering is part of sacrifice. And Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' physical tor torture was part of the payment required for our sins. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish and defects. And it was on the cross that Jesus triumphed over Satan, sin, and death. Jesus suffered and died in order to secure salvation for all who would believe. So my friends, the Day of Atonement, okay, points to Jesus, that the forgiveness of our sins can only happen through the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness can only happen through the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, with COVID-19 hitting us hard right now, it again makes us wonder, what is truly valuable in life? It's not about what we have. It's about who we have. So I just want to ask all of us that's listening to our service uh, today, do you have Jesus in your life? Are you truly forgiven? Have you repented of your sins? Have you asked forgiveness for all the things that you have done wrong? My friends, it's never too late to turn to Jesus and repent of your sins because forgiveness can only happen through the blood of Jesus. And, of course, if you have already been forgiven, if you have already received Jesus, and maybe you're living your Christian life and you feel it's the same old, same old life, nothing is happening. So as a Christian today, living in the COVID world or in the COVID pandemic, how should we respond? How should we respond? How should we respond? And um, to, I think the theme of Leviticus okay, is we have to be different. So living in the midst of COVID, how should we respond? I think the answer you know, is we have to be different. How? Number one, if you truly grasp the meaning of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ sa life mo, kung naintindihan mo talaga yung forgiveness, yung love, yung sacrifice ni Jesus, then I challenge you, live a grateful life in the midst of this pandemic. What do I mean? The attitude is important. How are you living? How are you facing this pandemic? What's your attitude? It should be with gratitude. Have a grateful heart. Be thankful. Be thankful. Second, be useful for the Lord in the midst of this pandemic. Serve God. Ask the Lord for opportunities to serve Him 
in the midst of this pandemic. Be useful. And third, be humble. Okay, be humble. Don't be a Christian who just likes to criticize others, just likes to uh, point out problems, but be different. Be grateful, be useful, be humble, and always give thanks to the Lord for this life that you have. Shall we pray? Dear God, we want to give thanks that you are a forgiving God. We just want to say thank you for sacrificing your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to grasp this forgiveness, understand it, and with this, help us, Lord, to live a grateful life, a life that pleases you, a life that honors you. Help us, Lord, to be able to live and, um, and just be able to grow more in the midst of this pandemic. And may you keep us safe and keep our country safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.